Welcome to Night Voices Episode 4. I'm Nolan Hamilton, and I'm going to take you through some of Prospect's best podcasts. We start today's episode with the story of a Prospect grad who worked from being a stand-up comedian all the way to the host of The Mix. How did a former Prospect student go from being a star in our own fine arts department to hosting their own radio show that gets 1.3 million weekly listeners? Let's just say for Chris Petlack, it started with a girl. I'm walking out of school with this girl that I had a big crush on, and she turns and walks into the theater. And I was like, oh, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm auditioning for the winter play. I was like, yeah, 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 me too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I followed her in because I like, thought she was really cute and I liked her. Um, I follow her in, audition for this winter play. I have no idea what that is or what that means. And then I got cast in the play and she did not. And I was like, oh, no, my plan has failed. Uh, this girl I have a crush on won't be there. Uh-oh. Uh, and so I did the winter play, which was called Little Moon of Albin, um, and loved it. Like, had a blast, really enjoyed doing it. It was really fun. With Chris's newfound love for the Prospect Fine Arts Department, he took full advantage of his opportunities and didn't miss a single chance to be on stage during his time at Prospect, being a part of the theater club, acapella group, varsity choir, and mixed company. And then when I was doing that first play, the uh, gentleman who was our director, who's since passed away, but his name was Mr. Marquette. Um, John Marquette, and he was the head of the fine arts department. Halfway through rehearsal one day, he was like, hey, man, um, you might want to think about doing this in college. Like, you could do this. And I was like, what? Uh, So then it was kind of around then when I started thinking more about entertainment. With that advice, Chris spent his four years of college at Illinois State University, majoring in acting and writing. But when his time was up in college, Chris came back to Mount Prospect to try to get by. So I would like go to bars and coffee shops and perform and that kind of thing. And just started kind of grinding at being an entertainer. I was like, all right, I I really like to sing. I like to perform. I like to do comedy. Those special talents led Chris to his first job in the entertainment industry as a promotions assistant at the radio station 101.9 The Mix, which put his foot in the door in the industry. And I worked at a radio station where I had the opportunity to meet the morning show hosts and the afternoon hosts and talk to producers and people who are recording podcasts and audio editors and film editors and like learn all these different things that I was really interested in behind the scenes. Um, And then shortly thereafter, I was able to, um, I got elevated to becoming the first social media manager that they'd ever hired. So that became a really cool thing. For the next few years, Chris learned the ins and outs of social media and how to advertise to a demographic which led him to his next job across the country in sunny Los Angeles. And I realized pretty quickly when we got out there, I was like, well, I got to get a job. Like we can't just hang out every day. Like it's fun. But, and so using my social media experience in Chicago, I started applying for jobs in the entertainment industry and interviewed around for quite a while. And I got a job as Ryan Seacrest, social media manager. So I was Ryan Seacrest on the internet. I got to do his Twitter, his Facebook, his Instagram, some YouTube videos, and I got to work directly with him. Um, and it was really fun. So I got to like do Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve with him. Times Square, it's the biggest party on the planet. Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve 2018 with me, Ryan Seacrest. After a while, Chris retired the Seacrest job to go do something more creatively fulfilling. So he started working for the video game ad agency, Liquid. Um, we worked with Nintendo and we got to work with Sega. I got to direct a, and write and direct a Sonic commercial for um, Sonic the Hedgehog, not Sonic the Burger. Um, a Sonic the Hedgehog commercial for his team Sonic Racing ad. Like I got to write it and direct it, which was cra- crazy. And then um, there's a Final Fantasy game called Final Fantasy Shadowbringers. And 
I got to co-write a commercial that starred Tom Holland, which was really cool, and get to be on set with him. Hey, Tom, we playing Final Fantasy XIV? No, I'm not ready yet. I gotta get prepared. One day, Chris got a call from an old number at 101.9 The Mix, seeing if he's interested in returning home to help host a radio show on the platform. Discussions led to even more discussions, and eventually Chris returned home. You know, my whole family's here in Chicago, and we were out in L.A., and my wife's whole family's here. She's from Schaumburg. She went to Schaumburg High School. Um, and so we decided we would come back home, and um, the opportunity to host a show on The Mix was really exciting. So in September of 2019, we moved back to Chicago, and I started hosting the night show here. Um, and then uh, was elevated to the afternoon show with Lisa Allen, who was my co-host. We did the show together for about two and a half years almost. And then just at the beginning of the year, I uh, got moved to the morning show. So the morning mix is our new show. Um, we started in January. So that's sort of how I went from, from college. To Even though Chris's new job is quite hectic and tasking, he says it is all rewarding at the end of the day. At four, um, I wake up at four. Uh, you know, have a little breakfast at home, come to the office. I'm in here around five, sometimes a little earlier, but at five 30, the show starts and I have my co-host is Nikki. And then we've got whip and Violetta who are on the show as well. So the four of us, uh, we work through the show every morning and, um, we really love taking phone calls and talking to the audience. If you ever want to catch Chris on the mix, tune into 101.9 from five to nine in the morning, maybe even call in and you could tell him night voices sent you. Nolan Hamilton signing off with Night Voices. With the recent events unfolding in Ukraine, PJ O'Grady sits down with Mr. Kaminsky, the history teacher at Prospect High School, to talk about them. Russia, why did Russia invade Ukraine? What do they want out of it? Stuff like that. Um, I mean, a lot of it ends up going down to obviously what Putin is thinking, what his end goal is, and still a little bit of that is up for debate or up for speculation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think one, um, his stated reason is that he's fearful that uh, Ukraine was closer to joining NATO um, or potentially the EU. And he mm -hmm. views Ukraine both as a Russian peoples and as um, a buffer zone against Western incursion. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's part of the reason, obviously, for uh, the invasion. I also think that and this is getting into obviously a little bit more speculation, yeah. but that he thought it was going to be um, a favorable boost in popularity for him. Mm -hmm. um, in 2014, after the Crimean annexation and to the small scale, smaller scale uh, incursion into like the Donbass region, um, his popularity was boosted as a response to those. So even though the sanctions impacted them after 2014, there was enough rise in popularity amongst his people that kind of made it a good political move for him. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if he was expecting something similar in this one or that he completely mis underestimated the West's response yeah. and the Ukrainian um, response. Um, because I would assume that he'd not think it would go the last week plus would go the way that it has. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's why I think, I mean, obviously, then what's happening? Um, but I think the original goal he had was to move in, quickly topple the government, take control of Kiev, um, install a pro-Russian government yeah. in there like mm -hmm. it existed pre-2013. Um, and then, yeah, 2013-ish. Um, and then um, be able to withdraw, um, or at least, you know, not withdraw all of the troops, but not have it be like an active combat zone. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, that does not look like What's it happening? will occur. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's enough Russian troops to be able to invade or to 
like overthrow yeah. the Ukrainian government. But in I would expect years, months worth of guerrilla fighting that it was different than what its original plan intended. Yeah. Um so does Ukraine want to join NATO and also does NATO want Ukraine to join? Um I mean the answer so Ukraine's government is Western looking at this point. So Ukraine itself is a couple different regions. Um, and Kiev in the far Western part has wanted to join the EU and NATO for a while. Um, mm-hmm. Then there are elements within society and the government, obviously not the largest percent, that have viewed that a closer connection to Russia is more in their national interest. Um, part of that is regionally based, where you fall just geographically yeah. in Ukraine. Um, and then, um, so Ukraine has wanted to join, at least, you know, in terms of like the majority of its population, or at least the current governments um, have wanted to join NATO and EU. Um, NATO is really never looked super seriously at Ukraine. They have, oh, okay, that's my backtrack. Um, when NATO was adding other countries um, that were former Soviet states, Ukraine came up, and that was one of the nervous things because an attack on, um, one mental country yeah. attack on mm-hmm. all. So expanding it into um, Ukraine or even Russia ex- creates a different threat level. Yeah, that makes um, sense. So that's where I think NATO or Ukraine was not added to NATO with almost the fear that something like this were to occur and it would lead to an all-out war, um, which is one of the reasons that NATO has been apprehensive over the last five, six years of adding Ukraine um, to the list. So that's also obviously why NATO has not gotten directly involved with troops on the ground in Ukraine, um, is for the fear of an all-out war. But at the same time, it also makes it obviously more likely that Putin were to invade Ukraine yeah. and trigger a large-scale conflict. But at the same time, he's now sitting at the borders of NATO countries, Poland, yeah. closer to the Baltic countries. Um, and that's what he wants, is almost Ukraine to serve as a buffer between a NATO-led West in Russia, and mm-hmm. Ukraine didn't want this to occur, so that's why they were looking to join NATO. Do you think Russia would ever invade a NATO territory, like, during this conflict? Um, I mean, a week ago, I would have said absolutely not. Five days ago, I would have said absolutely yeah. not. I still lean very, very heavily on the no side because of the repercussions that were to occur. Um, but I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think Putin would have wanted to test With the summer coming around the corner, DC Comics has been making two pieces of content that the fans have absolutely loved. Cameron and I talk more about it. Our next story is about ODRs, better known as outdoor rinks. Tito, Matthew, and Henry with more on this hockey story. As the ice and snow melts away, the winter hockey season ends and with it ODR season. ODRs, or outdoor rinks, are a winter staple for the community as they provide a new activity for people seeking to go outside. Prospect junior Max Burritos often takes advantage of the opportunity that the rinks provide. Just being out playing, just being able to go outside and just play with my friends is the best part. Playing with his friends is not the only reason Burritos enjoys outdoor rinks. Being in the fresh air and outside in the community is also a big cause. It's a cool experience to go outside like and look at all the scenery instead of just being in a, in a rink. And also the ice is really good out here, especially on ponds. 
Another reason why outdoor rinks are so popular is because many athletes, and especially hockey players like Britos, use them to improve their skills outside of practices. I think I've gotten better at uh, skating a stick handling because when you're in outdoor rinks, there's people on there and there's a lot of snow, so you can uh, work on your handles and like skating over rough patches and just getting better at it. Along with some people making their own backyard outdoor rinks, the Mom Prospect and Arlington Heights Park Districts provide 10 rinks combined for the community, 8 of which are from the Arlington Heights side. Matt Terensky works for the AHPD as the operations supervisor. He helps manage the rinks and helps set them up. He says that in order for rinks to freeze over, there must be consecutive days where temperatures are below 22 degrees with a few inches of frost base. Terensky adds that Arlington Heights has a rich tradition of ODRs. It goes way before my time there. Arlington Heights has always been known for its ice rinks out, outdoors. You know, at one point they had over 20, believe it or not, and they were all throughout town. Even though the rinks are play at your own risk, many people in the community use them. This includes Terninsky and Britos, who believe that the rinks give people a unique experience and creates meaningful memories. Being a hockey player myself, I've, I don't live in town, but I've gone to Arlington Heights and skated quite a bit. And plus, you know, you get to meet new people, you get to, you know, have pickup games against, you know, you show up and there's already five people there and you show up with, with five people, you know, you're, you're playing against each other, you're having fun. Um, definitely unites the community. I think it gives people an opportunity to do something different. I think it's great for the community, just for everyone to hang out and give them something to do in the winter instead of being stuck inside. ODRs have seen significant interest over the years in the Chicagoland communities and around the nation. In 2020 and 2021, there were about 500 outdoor rinks in the United States. According to Terinsky, the most popular rinks in Arlington Heights are at Heritage Park, Camelot Park, and Hickory Meadows. As a former hockey player and current hockey coach, Terinsky is enthusiastic about the buzz around ice skating. I think it's great to see people um, playing at the outdoor rinks and seeing people interested in hockey. Tarinsky believes that there's a clear reason for the increase of hockey interest in the area. Two seconds and one, the Blackhawks are Stanley Cup champions! The Blackhawks did a lot to help that, so um, it's, it's just been fun to see hockey kind of take off in Chicago, the Chicagoland area. You know, I, when I was uh, growing up playing, the Blackhawks weren't even, you know, the home games weren't even on TV, and you'd go to the United Center and you'd see 7,000 people in the, in the stands, and now the, the place is selling out and winning Stanley Cups and young people are interested in playing hockey and it's just, it's fun to see. Unfortunately, according to Terensky, around March 1st, the outdoor rinks usually start coming down as the cold weather goes away and spring begins. Luckily, skaters can look forward to the next winter when they will be back up. With Henry Cocky and Matthew Niemczyk producing, this is Tito Gavin signing off for Night Voices. Thank you for listening to another episode of Night Voices. Make sure to check Night TV Twitter for the full episodes of everything that came out this issue. Nolan Hamilton signing off with Night Voices.